welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. Hey everybody, welcome back to another Knock On Podcast, and uh, as I promised, I'm going to get a few more of these out now that uh, season's kicked off again, and got my mind on shooting, hunting, everything in between, so uh, I've been getting a few different questions here and there, Um, several of them were on subjects here recently that I thought I'd cover on the podcast just because I think a lot of you out there that are listening right now are in the process of you know setting up your gear getting it ready we're only a few weeks away from some of the midwestern hunting seasons here a lot of the western hunters have started Um, but again even though at times we're talking about you know specifically a hunter that might be asking the question these are all questions that are relative to target archery as well and really when it comes to tuning a bow or setting up your bow or tuning arrows uh, or even just the product opinions or reviews um, it's all relative and it's all archery so the first question I have here uh, came in from Paul Collins um, and he said you know he said I see that you're shooting a four fletch setup right now on your hunting arrows and he said I've always been curious um, is it a better setup than a three fletch arrow or is it just better for stability and honestly you know I keep saying this time and time again but each and every year I really try to focus on experimenting with a lot of different options to see what gives me the best results um one person that i see in the industry that does this every year just like i do and and usually uh posts it as well and kind of shows you a few different results is uh dan evans um from trophy taker and dan uh pretty much does the same exact thing as I do you know we get several different arrows we kind of decide which bow we want get different arrows and then once we narrow down the arrow that's probably giving us the speed that we want or the kinetic that we want um, or overall is just giving us a decent grouping result from there you really try to fine-tune it with the fletchings and you have to factor in what type of hunting you're going to go to and this this is the exact same thing that I used to do for target archery because there were times where if I knew I was going to a certain course that might have been shorter in distance and also really well contained from the wind I wouldn't have any hesitation shooting a slightly longer fletch Whereas if I'm at an event where I know there's going to likely be wind or in places where I know that we're going to be shooting longer distances and that wind can be a factor, then I would always try to go to a shorter vein profile just 
because it would minimize wind drift. Now with my arrows this year, um, you know, I've had to I've had to experiment quite a bit just because of my poundage being so much lower than it ever has. So I'm having to try totally new categories of arrows and and everything in between. So what I first tried was the the three inch vein, you know, just a three inch low profile vein, the AAE um, 260 Elite. And it, I mean, it shot fine. It shot good. And I also tried a two inch high profile vein. Um, the shorter profile vein probably um, shot just a little bit better for me. Uh, and then what I did just, just to see was I went ahead and did the four fletch. I uh, had my Bitsenberger jig set on the 90 degree mark, um, did the four fletch uh, with, you know, a shorter vein. I didn't use like a Max Hunter. I didn't use like a two inch high profile vein. I used um, the Max Pro or Pro Max vein and that one is just a little bit smaller it's an it's a vein that a lot of the 3d shooters are using but typically they use them in a three fletch so i went ahead and added the four fletch and one of the first things that i do um you know if i shoot them a few times and i see how the groups are if they are grouping good then after I've kind of eliminated the fact of do they work as good as the others, the next thing that I want to answer is how much drag do they have? And also after that, how much drift do they have? So what I'll do is I'll go ahead and take all the arrows and I'll keep my sight set at an exact setting um, and then at like 60 or 70 yards, I will shoot all my arrow configurations down there. And the one that has the most drag um, is going to be the lowest one on the target. You know, if it has, if the veins are heavier, um, if there's more resistance, then they are going to group lower. So it's just a matter of, you know, how much is that? Is it right at the bottom edge of the other shafts or is it? three or four inches low um, several years ago trying to think when it was I know that I kind of did the same exact thing and and had a few little quick films that I did um, out at my farm where I shot I think at like 60 yards um, a four fletch system versus a three fletch system uh, well I think I had three or four different options and for whatever reason that particular year and that particular vein that I was trying it was noticeably lower so and it had noticeably more sound to the vein itself which is also a big factor if you're a hunter you know a lot of times it's it's worth you know if you can hear your arrow whistling from the bow then you know it's it's too loud of a vein uh, so you know, on that particular year, I think I ended up going with um, with a three fletch. But then this year, you know, after doing these testing, at least with this vein that I'm using, I just found that 
it's shooting comparable to the three inch vein. Um, however, when I went to the next step, which was going out on a day that had a pretty consistent wind, um, I shot the arrows you know I had three of each so I would just sit there and shoot six arrows and I would go down there and you know the you want the wind as consistent as possible but you know certainly at times it's going to have some variance but you'll be able to see pretty easily what vein has more horizontal wind drift you know, if it has more surface area or if the wind is grabbing the back end of that arrow more, you'll see, I mean, you'll sometimes you can even see that they're sticking in the target more sideways, which can definitely be a problem if you're a bow hunter and you're, you know, you're having a crosswind. You definitely don't want your arrow hitting, you know, going in with the field point or with the broadhead, I mean, uh, you know, on an angle. You really want to have... Um, it's almost like if you throw a rock with a string on it, you know, if you really want the point of the arrow to, to be exactly straight in front of everything else, if possible, you know, if you're shooting and your point is tracking to the target, but the veins are laid several inches out to the side, you know, a lot of times that's showing you a lack of front of center. You really want to have that, those fletchings behind the point of that arrow and just have the whole arrow drifting one way or another but um, and usually when I do this here at my house I actually have a like a six foot fence built around the area that I shoot out of most of the time so I'm able to be protected by the wind when I shoot even on windy days and this is really good if you're able to do that even if you like shoot out of your garage into the you know with the crosswind um, you want to be able to make sure you're making good shots and that's the point of that is being able to stand there have your pin still and know that your your release is going off with quality shots with your pin in the center of the target and then when you go down there you're gonna be able to tell on the paper really fast what vein gives you a better advantage for wind drift and for me uh, the four fletch this year was it was a little bit less uh, sideways wind drift than the 260 which for me shooting at a slower speed right now is a pretty dang big deal um, not to mention you know on my regular bows at my regular draw length and poundage I've shot those that same type of speed with roughly the same exact type of arrow builds for probably 20 years now so I just have a very very clear understanding of wind drift and how to bubble and how to you know about where I need to hold off and I can you know a lot of times if I'm out hunting if there is a crosswind I can you know try to see if I can find some spider webs or some uh, you know thistles or something blowing through the air and I kind of can really judge what the wind speed is um, by looking at those and it really helps me compensate the way that I need to but now with this bow shooting that much slower it's like a whole new learning curve and in a way 
you know, this is the type of small little things, the little homework that you have to do that you really don't think about until all of a sudden you end up making a mistake out there and you start, you know, looking at hindsight and realizing, oh, I should have done this or I should have done that. And I try to eliminate that possibility by really checking off all those little quirks right here in the backyard so hopefully that answers your question Paul and again there's not going to be any at least that I know of unless someone is building a setup exactly like yours and posting a video showing you the results there's there's just not going to be the chance where you're not or the opportunity for you to not be able to go out and just do it yourself and see and for me being someone who's been just shooting arrows their whole life that's actually one of the funner parts about what I do now is and what kind of changes up the pace a little bit and makes the day a little more interesting on the archery range is being able to go out there and do that you know going out and actually setting something up and and seeing how it does work and you know I think I think if you haven't been doing that any of you out there uh, you'll find some cool factor in that you know trying different knocks trying different you know arrow wraps different point weights you know all that stuff just you immediately see a result and how it shoots different out of your bow so you know i think as an archery community we're getting to the point now especially any of you who are listening to this because for the most part everyone i've met that have that are podcast followers you guys are all the ones that are tinkering all the time anyway so you know it's not like you're just totally satisfied taking your bow into the shop and letting them build you exactly what you want and then saying okay here you go don't ever touch it this is i mean i think you guys are are all past that so these are just those next steps and it does it does get you thinking so i guess my only warning would be don't overthink it you know if you start playing around too much i've seen that derail some really good shooters so make sure you don't start overthinking it and and uh trying to become an engineer just for some of this stuff it's it's good to try it and know and in reality it gives you confidence being able to go out onto a field and know that what you have is really shooting the best as you possibly can out of that particular setup my next question here is um from jason cadenhead and he's asking um i went well earlier he sent me a message asking me about different arrow spines and you know for those of you out there who email me or private message me and ask me what arrow spine you need um, the best thing for you to do is just look it up yourself on a chart you know look at look on an arrow selection chart because that's all I would ever do and honestly if someone's doing it for you all the time you're never gonna learn to do it right yourself so my response just forewarning is probably gonna be to tell you how to look it up on a chart or maybe I'll send you a link to an arrow chart but I don't want to have to keep doing this because a lot of times unless unless someone asks me about an arrow setup that's very similar to exactly what I'm shooting 
then I know, but in regards to just the random, I don't always know and probably won't. Um, but anyway, he had asked about aerospines, and the main question, I believe, if I remember right, was that he was right on the edge of being either a 340 spine or a 300 spine. He was kind of right on the bubble. And I think a lot of people uh, find themselves right on that. They could shoot either spine. So um, my personal belief is when it comes to, to hunting specifically, uh, and I guess I've found the same thing in target archery, I would rather be... I would rather have a stiffer spine than a weaker spine because it gives you more options to be able to shoot a higher FOC if you wanted to increase your point weight. Not to mention, you know, if you're right on that bubble and you put cresting on the back of your arrow, it adds weight. If you put a lighted knock in the back of the arrow, it adds weight. And the more you add weight to the front, in the back of the arrow the more it weakens the spine and I actually thinking back someone had asked me a question um, a couple weeks ago just really wanting to know how spine is truly affected so I'm gonna jump on that question next but um, just to stick with Jason's question here um, you know, he says after asking me that, and I told him go with the stiffer. He ended up just sending me a quick message back that said, "I went with the 340s because no one around here has the 300s in stock." And he said, "Do you still think that I'm okay with the 340s?" And honestly, if you were in the if you were on the bubble, I would probably say, "No, you're not." Um, and that's just the truth like I said especially once you add a little bit heavier insert or ha add a lighted knock um, this is kind of a pet peeve of mine because several years ago um, Easton actually quit making some some of the or I think one or two shafts that I really liked um, that came out they were not available on a stiffer spine other than a 330 and mainly the reason came down to that the shops there's not enough being ordered um, to justify having the extra part numbers and um, I believe this is a problem right now with in archery with archery shops that are just wanting to have two or three different types of arrows in the corner for people to to get and walk out of the doors with because most people that are not a 28 and a half to a 29 and a half inch draw they may need a 400 or a 500 spine you know my kids my wife you know they're gonna need a 500 spine if you're over 30 inches draw shooting 70 pounds even some of the guys, depending on their bow model, shooting at 29 and a half inches, 70 pounds, 72 pounds, you're going to need a 300 spine. You know, for me, when I was shooting 72 pounds or so, or 72 or 75 pounds at my 31 inch draw, I really needed a 260 spine. I mean, I, that 260 spine axis that I shot the last few years, 
shot unbelievable for me because I was finally able to find a shaft that wasn't right on the verge of being too weak. Um, so if your shop isn't stocking the spine arrow that you need, don't substitute. I mean, there's no reason for you guys to do that. I mean, go on, go to LancasterArchery.com, order whatever whatever shaft you want. I mean, if you need them fletched and if you need them cut to an exact length, pick up the phone and call them. They'll build them exactly how you want to and, and ship them right to the door. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm all about good archery shops and good dealers and good retailers and I'm all about supporting those people but you know if you're going to cut corners and not have inventory and just try to have two or three boxes in the corner of the shop where you just people can either grab you know this color vein or that color vein that's really their only choice well I think for most of the people that are listening to this podcast that's not going to be enough anymore you know I I can't believe how many people I see that are out shooting and they're super passionate shoot every day just put in all their time but yet they're they're limited because of their setups because they're just going in trusting someone that wants to get them in the door and get them out the door and you really need to find someone that's willing to put some time in and at some point you owe it to yourself to even try those different ones you know if you have a buddy that has some 300 spine arrows just stand there and shoot a couple groups at 50 or 60 yards you know if you can if you're a decent shot at a longer distance that's the best way to really know whether or not something's working well you know the further you shoot it's like putting a big magnifying glass on something if you're shooting it you know, if you're someone that just shoots at a pie plate at 20 yards, well, you put the pie plate at 50 yards, you start seeing a big difference in in what your arrows are doing. You know, I, I got to the point where years ago, uh, when I first started shooting competitively, like 40 yards was where I practiced all the time. And I got really good at shooting at 40 yards. Then it got to the point where I just really started shooting at 50 all the time. And then once I started shooting you know, a lot of field archery. I went to uh, 60 meters, which was 66 yards. And then once I started shooting outdoor FIDA events, 90 is pretty much where I would be all the time. And that's just, I'll check my pins at the shorter distances, but when it comes to me practicing, I practice, I've had the same targets for 20, 30, and 40 yards here at my house for years and they hardly have very many arrow holes in there but I can tell you I've gone through probably three or four targets down at the very end of my creek because I sit there and shoot 90 meters at least the most so um, I would recommend all you out there try that so to move on to um, the subject that I had just talked about this was actually a question that came in um, from a good friend of mine here locally um, and he had a few questions um, and actually one of his questions I'm just looking back Adam this is for you by the way 
Um, you did ask about drag on my four fletch, which I just covered. Um, and then you said, there's two things though that the guys here at the office still ask me when they listen to your podcast. One is they don't understand that by having such a long draw length that even when you're shooting 60 pounds, um, you're, you're, you're actually creating just as much kinetic energy or momentum than a lot of the guys um, at 70 pounds. And that is true. You know, obviously, uh, each inch of draw length that you have is gives you at least 8 to 10 feet a second. Um, for an inch of draw so you know I definitely the more power stroke you have you know me put it this way I mean there's like an inch shorter difference in brace height between you know some of the bows that like a Nitrum 34 or a turbo model you know there's you get that inch different draw length you can see it jumps up quite a bit in speed well you know you think of what one inch does if I was shooting a 31 inch bow versus someone with a 28 you know that's three inches nearly 24 feet a second it's a big difference um, 10 pounds of peak weight does not equal 24 uh, feet per second so you know it's I'm probably comparable to some of the shorter draw length guys shooting the 70 pounds without a doubt um, and actually the bow that I have right now it is shooting that ACC extremely well at about 60 pounds um, and he said the other thing is that they don't get how heavier or added weights to inserts affect the spine of their arrows um, and he said some of them are on the bubble of being too weak as most people are if they follow the charts um, but if they add any brass to the front of their arrows, then they're going to be too weak. And this is super important because, you know, I'm a bit, I'm a firm believer in having a heavier insert in the arrows that allow you to do it. You know, the axis allows you to use brass. Um, also, the hex allows you to use brass or the torch. You can use brass. Um, so for those, you'll definitely want to step up one stiffer spine size if you're going to decide to shoot the brass because having a 50 or 75 grain insert and then your broadhead, you are going to need a stiffer arrow. So the way spine works um, is you know you look at how an arrow actually flexes when it's as it's shot. You know that arrow is you know a tube it's in a line so as you shoot you know it causes a paradox of the arrow so that arrow bends and for a release shooter it'll bend up so the tip of your arrow and the knock of your arrow will start to go down the center of the shaft will bubble up and then once it hits the peak of its paradox it'll actually flex back the other way and that's why spine is so important because if your arrow is too weak that paradox it'll be like a wet noodle coming out of your bow and, and actually like in slow motion footage um, which we you know we get to see a lot if you're shooting on some of the you know when I shot on the US team 
you know, we shot in front of slow motion cameras quite often, or at least I did, um, just to try to get a good look at arrow flight. And the one thing that you don't want in an arrow is what they call like a, they call like a snake bend. And that's when your spine is incorrect. Um, you can actually see like a, a ripple effect go through the spine of your arrow instead of it flexing perfectly in the middle and then going down and up and down and then stabilizing it actually looks like a tidal wave going through your arrow shaft and it and by the time it hits the point it almost like turns the point up in the air and then it ripples back um, which is pretty cool to watch it's just not cool for getting very consistent arrow flight so um, the more weight you add out on either end of your arrow, the more it will cause it to flex. So, you know, that's why if you have an arrow shaft that say it's right on the bubble um, of being too weak or too stiff and you put a 10 grain heavier lighted knock in it and then you decide to shoot 125 grain field point instead of 100 grain, well now that's too weak. Um, sometimes if you have an arrow that's right on the bubble, you know, one thing you can do is, you know, just put a lighter point in there. If all of a sudden you have one, an arrow, and you feel like, you know, and for me, I always know this by either adding or reducing my pulling weight. It tells you very quickly if your arrow is too stiff or too weak. Um, and this is what I call the hill method of tuning, but I'll get on that another day. Um... If you have an arrow shaft that's right on the bubble, you know, of being too weak, then obviously shooting a lighter point or shooting a lighter vein selection or, you know, not having a, a lighted knock, all that stuff will play in. So um, don't be afraid of having that stiffer spine arrow selection. I think with the way people are, a lot of people are liking to shoot a little bit more front weight nowadays they're also trying to shoot more fletching so you know if you have to if you take three of one fletching and then you take four of another fletching and put them on a scale you know if it's 10 grains heavier then again you've weakened that arrow just a little bit it's not to say that it won't actually shoot better because like even in my case the four fletch does for sure shoot better um, however, it is just a little bit more arrow on the back of the shaft. So my FOC, my front of center, is not as high as what it was previously. Um, but my grouping results are telling me that for whatever reason with this particular setup, my FOC being, you know, right now it's probably somewhere barely making 10 percent foc where normally in the past i've shot you know 12 13 percent um i'm still totally happy with my wind drift characteristics um and how it shoots overall so you know again all that stuff comes down to homework uh next question here is from luca hackman and um he says he's actually from Austria, wants to ask about arrow rest tuning. Um, last Saturday, we had a little conversation about what is better 
for tuning, the French tuning or the paper tuning. Um, sounds like they had a little bit of a debate here at the local archery shop, and someone wants to know if they're right or not. So um, hopefully you answered correctly, Luca, but both of the, the French tuning method, um, which hopefully most of you that are listening know what that is, um, and the paper tuning method, they're both necessary and they're both different um it's hard to say which one i guess if i were to pick one that would probably give you the guaranteed best end result from a grouping point of view i would have to say the french tuning method or the walk back tuning now paper tuning is the first thing that i always do because one you know your French tuning method would take a considerable amount of time if you didn't know that you were very close to start with paper tuning tells us several things and it's actually becoming paper tuning is almost becoming a little bit more needed here recently because a lot of these bows are starting to build sight windows and cable rods that flex in towards the bow so with P and also with our full containment style rests, um, a lot of people that are trying to shoot too high profile veins, or if their veins aren't turned the right way and they're contacting something, um, or if your arrow rest isn't going down in time, or if it's or if it's bouncing back up and hitting the back of the arrow, all that stuff, which is contact issues that is quickly identified with paper tuning and if you have some type of a contact issue with your arrow shaft or your fletching with your bow or your string or your your rest or whatever it's contacting even if you do the walk back tuning and you're having major contact issues you're going to have a lot of difficulty getting that bow to group so the walk-back tuning or the French tuning method may not even be effective if you're having really poor arrow flight out of the bow. And then once you, if you factor in a broadhead on top of that, it'll be even worse. So I always start out with paper tuning. Um, here recently, uh, I actually, I'm trying to think which bow, I had someone's bow here and the way that their um, their particular arrow rest was, you know, they could not shoot with their cock vein straight up because when they did, their lower right vein would always contact the very inside of their launcher and it would give you a terrible tear through paper. And even when you move the rest left, right, up and down, it didn't matter. It was the same exact tear all the time. So we had to use the paper testing to eliminate that contact issue. And then once we did that and we were able to get a really nice, you know, hole through paper, we were able to go outside, uh, see how it shot. In most cases, if it's shooting super good, you don't even have to do the French tuning method. However, you know, if you start finding that, uh, 
as you're shooting the longer distances, your left and rights are changing, then you obviously know that you're, um, you're, you might have to do some French tuning method. So um, the walkback tuning or the French tuning, I guess a brief description of that would be, um, this more or less helps you determine your left and right positioning of your arrow rest. Um, and how your arrows track all the way to the target because if your center shot is not adjusted perfectly um, and this can vary slightly depending on what spine of arrow you're shooting what you can find is that your arrow will continue to group left or right the further and further you shoot so if you're sighting in at 20 yards and then all of a sudden you're shooting at 50 yards and your groups are always like totally left at 50 but they're not left at 20, you know, you're dead center at 20. Or if you find that once you sight in at 50 to where you're hitting dead center, then you come up to, to 20 and you're hitting like four inches to the right or four inches to the left that's always an immediate indicator that your center shot isn't correct and you should try this walk back tuning so what you do with this and i normally just use my 50 yard pin um, because it works pretty well gets you really close um, i'll first start out at three steps i'll put a target level with me so i could shoot with my top arm totally level and i'll adjust my sight to where I'm shooting perfectly right in the dead center of an arrow hole at three steps and like I said you're probably gonna have to use your 50 yard pin uh, to get you close to that so once I'm able to shoot perf and adjust my sight so that I am shooting perfectly dead center left or right right in that one exact little hole that I'm trying to hit once I have my sight set there then what I'll do is I'll go ahead and put the target at about 50 yards 45 or 50 yards um, and I'll use that same pin same arrows everything and I'll shoot groups and you'll want to make sure you're on level ground no wind it needs to be a perfectly calm day perfectly flat ground and as you shoot your groups you're going to see where your arrows are landing so if all of a sudden all your arrows are landing left of the bullseye then what that tells you is that if you're perfectly sighted in absolutely dead center at three steps but then yet at this longer distances your arrows are hitting left or right of the target it's telling you that your arrow rest is actually adjusted left or right so that that too much so that that arrow is actually continually going further and further and further either left or right as it flies down to the target you ideally want your center shot so perfect that when that arrow comes out it just goes straight up over the top of the bow and it lands exactly straight in line with you if your center shots too far off this won't happen so what you do is when you do the first step and then you go to the second step at the longer distance and you shoot um, if your arrows are grouping to the left then what you do is you will 
loosen your arrow rest and you will move your arrow rest towards the bullseye. So if your arrows are grouping left of the bullseye, you will move your rest to the right. And it doesn't take hardly any movement to see a change. Uh, you don't have to move it very far. It's the, And that's why having an arrow rest um, that allows you to make left and right adjustments without losing your up and down adjustments is so important. Uh, so for any of you out there who cut any corners buying an arrow, a quality arrow rest, then you're going to see that that wasn't a good decision when you start having to make adjustments like this. But um, once you make your adjustment, then you have to go back to three steps and you have to adjust your sight so that you are sighted in to shoot perfectly in that hole again. So you assess your groups at 50 yards. If you need to move your rest so that the arrows move closer to the or move towards the bullseye, then you do that. Then, after you move your rest, you will then have to move your sight a little bit as well. So if you moved your rest in, then you're going to have to move your sight, you know, in that same direction because obviously your arrows are going to want to go towards the direction you move the, the arrow rest. So you'll sight your bow back in again at three steps. Then you'll go back to that longer distance and do not move your sight at all. Just shoot groups. And what you'll find is you will find a spot to where you're able to have your one pin shoot in the exact same left or right vertical line as three steps and at the 50 yards or 60 yards or however far you're comfortable shooting at those longer distances. So, um, Luca, I think I think it's a coin toss on this one. Um, both are super important because of different reasons. Uh, so I think I think you guys should uh, should call it a draw and make sure that you both go out and do this. So um, next question here is uh, says my girlfriend is shooting. Uh, the Matthews Jewel, and we keep having problems with her string stretching, um, and the bow getting out of the out of time. Um, he said he didn't like the factory string, so he put on um, a custom set. They've been pretty good. Um, he said, but then he started to have the bow come slightly out of time again. He says that he's shooting um, that same company string on his Hoyt Carbon Spider ZT. Um, and it, he's also noticed a flat spot on the cables where the cables are touching the roller guards. Um, so overall, he's saying, what is my opinion on brands X and Y versus winner's choice? So... Um, I decided not to mention any of those other string companies just because, honestly, I know people that that have had pretty good luck with, well, I know 
for me, I can choose anyone I want. And I've shot winner's choice for nearly a decade. Um, I guess you have to factor a lot of things in. Um, I know that for me, it's worked. It keeps working. I'm happy with it. Um, I know that in the past, when I've tried different factory sets of strings and cables, I haven't been happy. Um, most companies aren't going to put don't want to put a very very custom set of strings and cables on their bows right out of the box just because of cost um, and I think it's a really smart investment to make so um, when it comes to material um, I really like the the 8125 or I like the 452X um, any of those materials made by a very reputable string company are going to give you really really good success and you know without trying to say one is better than another um, I can just tell you guys and gals that a lot of products come here to my house that are going to be coming on the market or are already on the market and Every week, there's boxes of stuff sent back to people because they just, for me, they don't, it's not something that is working the way that it is advertised. And that's kind of the pet peeve for me. If something, if someone is advertising something um, very specifically and it doesn't produce that, then I, I personally just don't really want to endorse it. So um, the products that I'm using on my on my stuff, I'm really happy with, and I know that there's other brands out there um, in some of those same categories. But for me, I've had stuff work for me for so long that I just really haven't wanted to make any changes and haven't seen a, a reason to make changes and the string category for right now is one that I can just honestly tell you tell you out there that uh, that this is the case and also uh, I do know that Winner's Choice made a really good website for being able to build your own custom strings and cables and also have them shipped directly to you um, regardless of what country you're in as well so it might be something for you to look at uh, next question here is uh, John I lowered my poundage about five turns I feel the draw length has increased almost an inch or almost a half inch now should I twist up the string I'm not really worried about twisting the string too much but I would like my draw length back so this is, you know, when people say that bows shoot better because the because you have the limb bolts tightened all the way down, um, this kind of factors into a few different things. The reason I like people to just order a bow in the poundage that they like, you know, for example, I'm shooting I'm shooting 60 pounds on my bow right now. Uh, I did not get a 70 pound bow and back it down to 60. 
Um, I'm shooting a 60 pound bow. It came in at about 63 pounds and I have, I think one or one and a half turns off my limb bolts to get me to the poundage that I want. Um, the more you back out your limb bolts, the longer your draw length will be on any bow because as you let those limbs out and they start to come back, um, you will increase your draw length. Also, the, low, the more you back out your limb bolts, the less tension you will put on your string because these bows, especially the really parallel limb bows that are on the market right now, they're built so when those limbs are buried down, they have an arc and the limb is flexed and it's bent. And that bend on that limb, that preload, really helps maintain a very stiff string tension. The more you relax that limb, the less preload it has and the looser your string will feel when the bow is at rest. And what that causes is if you have any type of weight in the center of your strings, like shooting brass knocks or kisser button or a really big peep, or the weaker your string is, the more that string travels forward and oscillates back and forth and back and forth. And also knock fit. If your knocks are too tight, it'll pull the string really far forward before it comes off. And that's going to cause inaccuracy. So by chance if you have this bow already and that is where you have to shoot with it about five turns out and your your draw length is starting to feel like it's just too long then the best thing for you to do is just to get half inch shorter modules um, and just shoot it at your draw length but with those limbs backed out uh, or yes, you can twist up your string. You're gonna have to twist for a half inch. You're gonna have to twist it up considerably. Um, I would venture to guess more than what your string would allow. Uh, but that is my two cents on that. Uh, last question here, I'll hit quick, is from Mark Rish, and Mark is asking. Um, he says he's got nocturnals. Last year they flew awesome out of my Hoyt. This year I've changed bows. And now my nocturnals hit two inches low at each distance. I got all my friends to buy them, and they're all using them and have the same impact point. But why don't I? So, Mark, the answer to that question is, um, and this is what I just talked about. So, if your string is weak and your string travels forward quite a ways before that before that knock comes off or if your knock is just fitting really tight on a brand new serving and every manufacturer has a slight variance in their serving diameter and some custom strings build center servings that are too thick for most of the knocks that are on the market and this definitely causes problems in accuracy um, and what I would what I would guess is that on your older bow, you'd probably clipped arrows onto that string so many times that you had worn the serving down where you were clipping your arrow on, and so that the um, that your arrow knocks just went on and off really easy. 
and that really helps your grouping as well. Now, if all of a sudden you have a brand new serving and your factory knocks clip on and they're fair, you know, they come off fine, but then all of a sudden a new knock goes on and it's super tight, then it will hit lower if your knock is too tight on that serving. This is one thing that you have to watch if you're an archer that you know has shot a bow so long that you start to build a really easy flat spot on the serving where the arrow just goes in or off really easy and then all of a sudden you decide to make change your D loop or twist your string one turn to you know to get your peep aligned or something and you turn that flat spot to where now when the arrow clips on it's really stiff again it'll completely change your impact points so my recommendation is you know I like to I like it when I clip my knock on the string I want to be able to roll the string with my fingers freely and I also want to be able to to kind of tap the back of that knock with my finger when it's on the string I want to be able to tap it and it come right off if you kind of just give it a little tap and it just bounces around and it stays on the string then in my opinion that's an indicator that it's just too tight now lighted knocks and every company's different but lighted knocks are slightly heavier so you know the longer you get in distance the more that arrow should ha should hit low just because of overall arrow weight that is typical you know if you shot a 110 grain point in your arrow versus 100 grain point you know, 30, 20, 30, 40 yards, you're not going to see much of a difference, but you start to get beyond that, and you're definitely going to see a distance or a difference. So you need to, to kind of factor that in as well. Um, you know, again, check your knock fit. If the knock fit is just really tight and you're not happy with it, then the best thing to do is to get that string reserved with a slightly smaller serving diameter and a good archery shop will know how to do that you know um, most most companies well for example BCY you know they offer so many different diameters of serving thread for this exact reason sometimes you build a string and you put you know if you put a 21,000 serving on there it'll be too thick um, so you might have to drop down to an 18 or even a 15. So you want to be able to have a shop if your serving's too tight for your knock. Have a shop give you a really good serving on there. And the other thing too is if you order custom uh, sets of like winner's choice strings and cables, uh, you could always call in and tell them specifically this is the type of knock that I'm shooting uh, it fits really tight on my other servings, and I want to make sure that it has the proper fit with this new string and cable. So with that, I'm going to wrap this podcast up. And uh, for all of you out there who are getting ready to venture out on a hunt or head out to a new tournament, I wish you all the best. And please continue to spread the word about the knock on archery youtube channel uh, our subscribers did go up a little bit this past week um, but i would like you guys to just please share 
put it on Facebook, put it in Archery Talk, put it anywhere, any forums that you have. Let people know that they can go there. The Knocked and Ready to Rock segments are awesome segments, free education, and then also for any of you hunters out there, Season 5 is also totally free on the Knock on Archery YouTube channel. Subscriptions free. Uh, other than that, you can easily link to it as well at the knockontv.com website. So shoot straight, everybody. I appreciate it. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. Knockonarchery.com.